no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. Oh! One more time. Oh! One more time. Welcome to the Barry Sentience. On today's show, we recap the Bears' 16 to 13 victory over the Panthers and much more. What's good, Prez? Oh, I just love these shows, man. We win the football game, eh, Dub? I know uh, a lot of people were like, hey, that was the Panthers. That's nothing for us to be all celebrating about and happy about. But listen, bro, win is a win in my book, bro. I'll take it, man. Look, winning good or winning ugly doesn't matter to me, Prez, as long as we get the W. This was an important win for us because, honestly, for the Bears in that locker room, for the fan base, we needed a victory, right? And I saw how happy those guys were. Tyson was getting those chants after the game. They were loud, too. Bro. I was like, whoa, that Bears fan base hungry for a victory. But even in the locker room, you saw Justin out there dancing and doing his thing, which, all right, Justin, I'm just going to say something real quick. <laughs> Knock all that dancing off, bro, and get your ass back on that field, bro. <laughs> TikTok. That's all I'm going to tell you, Jake. TikTok. Hey, man. <laughs> For sure, bro. Get ready. Get back out there on that field. Did you see during the game on the sideline, he said roll tide. He was fucking with Bryce Young a little bit. I was like, man, Justin's such a savage. I, that was kind of <laughs> Yeah, it was, man. got to love it, man. But back to the game, in, in essence, though, the Panthers losing – Hey, man, it's just solidifying that number one pick for us, man. I just, I just hope that the Panthers continue to take those L's, man, because that number one or number two pick is going to be so vital for us going forward. And it's going to tell how we end up finishing A-Dub because, you know, if the season kind of goes south for us, hey, then our pick will be in the top ten. So you got two picks potentially in the top ten. So, hey, man, the Bears and Ryan Poles, they're in good shape for the future. My whole thing is I'm just worried now. <laughs> What's going to happen? Because if just if they de if they determine that Justin Fields isn't their guy, I kind of feel like man we're back to square one with this whole quarterback. And I'm I'm so sick and tired of every couple of years we swapping out the quarterback. Because you got to get some consistency at the quarterback position, Perez. If you're playing musical chairs there, you know every couple of years or so get a new quarterback, you can't get anything going. We want to see quarterbacks continue to grow and develop and then just take on the reins, you know? So I think Justin Fields, in my opinion, is somewhere near that. But if you start over again with a young quarterback, a rookie or a second-year quarterback, you're kind of like starting over again, bro. And you can't continue doing it or operating that way, especially when you're still building your defense. Your defense like pretty much one step from being very good. Yeah, I mean, and to that point, right, so you have – Tyson Bajan, who was shown to be the ultimate game manager, and we see who gets to call a game plan that basically complemented his skill set. But when I'm looking at this whole situation here, now you got Tyson making his fourth start, right? Second in prime time. You're seeing more and more of that national narrative out there where it seems like America's like trying to push this kid <laughs> to be the starter. And, and, it's, and it's interesting because we know how everybody loves the backup quarterback. But yeah. On that Thursday night crew, they definitely were gushing over Tyson Bajan. And even Tony Gonzalez, when he was making his weird little remarks up there, I'm sitting here like, well, I'm glad Richard Sherman checked him. You know what I'm saying? They got a little testy between the two each other talking about this quarterback situation. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, Richard Sherman understands. You look at how things are being ran for Tyson Bajan and what they're trying to do to help him become a good quarterback. They given just a, they've been giving Tyson Bajan a lot of help because you hit something that had been very interesting, Perez, a couple of weeks ago when you said that Tyson Bajan has been more of a game manager than anything else. And that holds true. And I think a Richard Sherman is like, hey, I can see that. With Justin Fields, it's like, hey, all the training wheels is off. Go out there and win a football game, and that's it. But they both have been of the two different situations. And I'm okay with that because as a backup quarterback, he's a rookie. I want him to have some training wheels on. I want him to be comfortable. I want them to put him in comfortable positions for himself. Right. But I also want when Justin Fields get back in there that we're calling plays that fits Justin's skill set. And now Luke just trying to force feed his scheme, which is what he does. I've talked about that before. Yep. But the other thing we talked about going into this matchup was the running game. The fact that Dante Foreman needed to be a focal point in that offense, and he was. He had 20 rushes, 80-some-odd yards. He got into the end zone. That's what that offense needs. It needs that balance, and that's what we saw in this ballgame. And that's where I give Luke a little credit because he's done a good job at allowing Foreman to be himself. And what that did, as you and I talked a lot about, was that if Foreman changed to run the football effectively, it allows Tyson Bajan to make those timely throws. And you saw at times that Tyson Bajan was able to hit his targets and move the ball. And then defensively, as you were alluding to a little bit earlier in the show, hey, man, that defense is starting to show you some things, right? That acquisition of Montez Sweat is, is taking that defense to another level, right? And they held the Panthers to six points. I mean... They can't help that special teams could fucking stop that punt return. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And that guy's yeah. a former bear, too. <laughs> but I like the fact where you're going there, bro. When your defense technically just shuts down um, what they've been able to do, and you only giving up really just that punt return touchdown. I mean, that says a lot about this defense. And like you said, with Sweat, he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, we saw him do some good things his first game with Chicago Bears, but man, he took it a step further. Oh, he sure did. And like I said earlier, man, a win is a win in my category, bro. Winning ugly, as A-Dub nicknamed it, it doesn't matter, right? Because at the end of the day, nobody's going to look at the win and say, was that a blowout win or was that an ugly win? Nope, just a dub. And so I'll take it, bro. I really will. So going into this game, though, A-Dub, we were talking about the injury report, and we also talked about the fact of what the hell is going on with Bellis Jones and why is he continuing to be in this lineup? Well, they made the proper decision. They made Bellis Jones a healthy scratch in this game against the Panthers they dug. Do you expect that that's going to be the result for him going forward? I don't think that's going to be results for him going forward, but I think it was more of them trying to send a message to Bellis Jones saying, hey, man, if you don't turn around, we can't keep trying you out there. Now, he might be, you know, person that's healthy and not play again next game. But the thing is, they letting them know. They putting them on notice, which they should have done a long time ago. You got to go out there and make plays. You got to do your thing, execute and do your job very well. But they're going to continue to monitor him, monitor him and see what he's able to do. But at this point, Perez, I think the Bears are going to give him another chance. Just don't know when. But right now, he's on the hot seat. So, Doug, I, I don't know, man. The way I'm looking at this, I do think that it, it is like I'm sending a message to the kid. But when Academy is St. Brown back, I kind of feel like it makes Velas the odd man out. So it's just one of those things. But I will say this, man. To me, when it's all said and done, this is going to prove to be a, a bad draft pick by Ryan Holmes. 
He's gonna have to eat it, and then you know, just <laughs> learn from that. You know, yeah. don't be cute. Don't be cute. You know, when you drafted guys, man, you got to go for somebody that's proven, not somebody you sitting here like, oh, I think I see something here, or I'm gonna try to outsmart everybody else. No, listen, bro, <laughs> you got scouts. If somebody says that somebody can play, you draft that person. We ain't got time for these projects. And Vela Jones is a project. We knew it when they drafted him. You're hitting on something, Prez, for me. You know, remember my boy Dominique Robinson, the project? You talk about Willis Jones being the project. These projects are not working out for Ryan Poles. So to your point, man, he got to think of this thing a little bit differently moving forward. You're right. Let's get players who's already shown what they're capable of doing and bring them on this team and let them fit in to what we currently have already. But this project stuff, it got to go, bro. And I do remember the heat that you took over the summer when you said you were surprised that Dominic Robinson made the squad, but Dominic Robinson was inactive against the Panthers. So I think, A-Dub, you might have been on the something back then, man. <laughs> hey, bro, you and I have been watching these players. We have talked about what we have not seen from a Villas Jones and from a Dominique Robinson. And right now, it's carrying over in the season where they're not playing well. So it's like, okay, there's something there, bro. I mean, it's, it's a fair point. That's why the situation with Nate Davis continues to be a little tough to watch because, you know, you paid him all that money to come here. You moved Tevin Jenkins to another position, and it's just like you didn't have to sign Nate Davis. You know, <laughs> the way that this whole thing is, is rolling out, he was inactive again. Um, Tremaine Edmonds with the knee injury, no surprise that he was inactive. But I can't wait to see what this defense does when he comes back because maybe we'll see a different Tremaine Edmonds playing with Montez Sweat. So that's the thing. Sometimes it just takes an acquisition like that to turn things up a little bit. So I'm really looking forward to what Edmonds will be able to do playing alongside of Montez Sweat. So you're right. Edmonds may be, to be able to benefit off that moving forward. So you're right. We'll see what happens there, man. But I will say Sanborn hasn't been bad. Man, Sanborn, but that's no surprise. I mean, I mean this is the Sanborn that we saw last season. And they, he's out there showing you. The problem early in the season with Sanborn is just he wasn't healthy. Now you see a guy just showing you who he is as a player. And so, like I said, no surprises, man. We, we know who Jack is. And he's reliable. And I love that he's on this football team. Everything you've said about Sanborn has has held true. And the, now he's back. He's right. He's healthy. He is showing you what he's capable of doing. So let's just get into this matchup. So I talked about our defense. Defense only gave up six points. Now. You remember how this defense looked when Allen Williams was here. Yes. And the work that Matt Eberflus has done with this defense, we have to give him credit for that. I don't give him a lot of credit, but I got to give him credit because Matt Eberflus came in here with defensive chops, and he's showing you, hey, this is what I do. And he's overhauled this unit, bro. This does not look like the same defense that we saw earlier in the year. Then you go out and get a Montez Sweat at the trade deadline, it just takes things to the next level. Now, there's people out here, A-Dub, that are talking about Montez Sweat's not getting sacks and, man, the Bears overpaid. And I, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and talk down to people because everybody's entitled to their opinions. But you can be a fool if you want if you think that Montez Sweat has not made an impact on this Bears defense. Look at the film before he got here and look at the film from that Packers game. We actually had a pass rush against the Panthers. And that's because of Montez. He was collapsing that pocket and allowing other people to make plays. And Gakwe got a sack. I'm like, yeah, you got that sack because of Montez Sweat. 
Justin Jones also got a sack as well. But you're right. This is what Montez Sweat is doing, bro. When he applying pressure, he is forcing the quarterback to run a different direction. If you run a different direction, if you go left, you run into Ian Glockway. If you run up the middle, you run into Justin Jones. That type of pressure, that type of forcing your quarterback to hurry up and make decisions very quickly, that's what we need on that defensive line, man. And I'm glad we got sweat on the team. So all those criticisms, people are saying he's not showing anything, watch the film. You see the impact on the big picture. And that's what I like about these type of guys, like a sweat. They are impactful, bro. And this is going to turn out to be, in my opinion, down the road, a very good trade by Ryan Pulse. I think so. I think it'll work out better than the last trade he made when he gave up a second round pick. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but when I'm talking about this situation, it's proven to you that sometimes sacks are overrated. Because if you look at his impact, and I rewatched the game a couple times, A-Dub, the pressures on Bryce Young, that changed the ball game there for us. Yeah. And I think I read a stat somewhere where they said he had the most pressures on the quarterback by Bears defenders since 2019. So, honestly, if he can keep up this level of play, shit, sky's the limit for this defense, bro. Because, friends, this is what people are not looking at, really. This pressure that Sweat is providing and allowing others to be impactful as well, this helps the secondary out so much, bro. Because uh -huh. now these guys in the secondary can make plays. So therefore, they don't have time to run their route effectively or get downfield. This opened up things for Kyle Gord, you know, Eddie Jackson, and many others to now end up getting the interceptions, bro. You brought up Kyle Gordon's name, and I'd be remiss not to give him some props because his physical style of play was so evident in that game against the Panthers. Now, our secondary, and I talked about this in the, in the preview show, it didn't hold up as well. But I have to remove Kyle Gordon from that equation because if anybody watched the film of this ballgame, of course, anybody that saw the game saw what he did out there. But that dude was all over the field. Like I said, that type of aggression or physicality, that defense is like that this season. And like I said, in that primetime matchup, Kyle Gordon – made a name for himself and also helped make a name for the Chicago Bears defense because people are not taking notice that, hey, the Bears defense is back. Kyler Gordon out there balling. Hey, man, then you see in the trenches where this defensive line is starting to make some things happen, bro. Hey, you see a lot of good things coming out this Bears defense. So, man, the sky is the limit, bro. And I just can see a lot of good things happening as long as these guys stay healthy. I was going to put it out there, man. When I watched Kyler Gordon play, he reminds me of a Kyle Fuller. And you remember how Kyle Fuller was huge for this Bears defense with that physical style of play. Yep. That's who he reminds me of, bro. And That's a I just love a guy in the secondary, like Kyle Fuller was, that was willing to come up there and put a hit on somebody. He ain't afraid to tackle. And that's what I like about a Kyle Gordon press, is he's not afraid to do that. You know, Brisker isn't easy, you know, but Kyle Gordon, you know, definitely is out there showing that, hey, he can – cover and he can also hit and then hey you can find yourself in the backfield doing good things as well with reading play Kyler Gordon has shown a lot of growth since the Bears drafted him bro yeah man he's, he's a hell of a ball player uh, you made a comment there about Brisker Brisker's a safety that's what he's supposed to be but we're talking about a corner and Kyler Gordon especially in the slot they're not known for being sure tacklers like that that's mm -hmm. how I want to make sure that we put that distinction out there Kyle yep. Gordon is showing you something that we don't see typically at that position. 
So salute to him. Also with this Bears defense, though, he dub, they held the Panthers to only 40-some-odd rushing yards. And I told you guys going into this matchup, I didn't give a fuck about a Miles Sanders or a Chubba Hubbard. Well, neither did the Bears defense, <laughs> apparently, Doug. <laughs> this is what you like about this Bears defense, Perez. They have shown us game after game. They've been consistent with this. They've been holding these ball carriers in check, bro. I got to give Iberflus a lot of credit, bro, because he has been a, doing a fantastic job at stopping the run. Well, it's been the saving grace for this defense, bro, because, like I said, the secondary, they've been a little leaky, man, but, but it's been that run defense that's been really getting things going. And so, uh, honestly, if you look at the Bears' run defense against other teams in the league, it's probably one of the better units, but people don't talk about it. I wasn't necessarily expecting the Panthers to do anything crazy with us, but the Bears, you have a job to do, right? Because any given Sunday, as you always say, Doug, anything can happen in this league. And the Bears made sure, no, Miles Sanders, Hubbard, y'all not getting shit. Those running lanes were non-existent. And to your point, we talk about any given Sunday, we saw, again, we saw the Panthers get a pump return on us, right, for a touchdown. That doesn't happen often to the Bears, and the other team can definitely steal a win like that. Now let's get over to the offensive side because we kind of teased it earlier. We talked about Tyson Bayes at the game manager. Now, let's just take statistics out of, the, out of the picture because, you know, we don't do that here on the show. Right. But if anybody's looking at just the numbers, you're just going to see an average night passing. But what I looked at from him was exceptional play. And what I say was exceptional play was he didn't turn the football over. That's what you want. You want execution. You want the quarterback to be efficient. You want him to get the ball out quickly. That's what he did. He even rushed the ball for about 12 yards. And no one's going to really talk about this, but that play that the Bears made on third down to finish the game off, that completion through the Darnell Mooney. Yeah. A lot of people criticized that play call and thought the Bears should have ran the football. Right there in that moment, that was impressive to me. You have a rookie quarterback that was able to make that type of throw. They got in there to Money Moon, and Money Moon made the play. That right there to me is when I say the kid played exceptionally. I'm not worried about that he only threw 462 yards. He took what that defense gave him. He didn't mess anything up. And he kept the ball moving down the field. I know there was only two touchdowns in the ball game, but both teams combined. I know it was an ugly football game. It wasn't anything cute. I don't give a shit about Q. I just want to win. Right. <laughs> You're spot on, Prez. And when you talk about the way Tyson Bajent played, he didn't turn the ball over. And when you say he didn't turn the ball over, bro, that is huge. That's a big win, right? Because I'll tell you, if we were turning the ball out there, I don't think we'd have got out of this game and won this game had we done that. We would so, have. We would have. Nope. Exactly. Especially in a game like this that's ugly that you're not talking about. So – I got to give Tyson Bajan a lot of credit, bro. He made the throws he needed to make, and it was enough to get the job done. So look at a rookie quarterback and say, hey, I do see him improving game after game, but being able to hold his own and not turn the football over and make some good plays down the stretch to seal the deal, that's a big difference right there, Perez. He didn't do anything to ruin anything, and that's what I like about Tyson. Yeah, well, that's what we wanted to see for him from the last game. Yep. But he was turning the football over because Luke Getz, he was putting them in bad spots. Luke Getz's game plan against the Panthers, smart football. And that's what we want to see. Give the kid a chance. You know what I mean? Right. And, and that's what they did, right? And even 
it's going to be even interesting, A-Dub, to see what comes of this quarterback position. Because now the Bears are in a little bit of a mini five-week situation here before the Lions game. And it gave Justin a little bit extra time to, to rest and to heal up from that injury. But it's like, what's going to happen here? Because now you got Tyson Beijing has moved to two and two. Is anybody's question what happens with this quarterback position? A-Dub and I can pound the table all day long and tell you, well, we think that Justin should be that guy. But you got people inside that building at Howell's Hall that's making that decision. And you don't know what the hell they're thinking. I do worry how Justin feels full of all this if he's fully healthy. Because he is. I think coming to the next game, I think Justin Fields is ready, bro. The point is, how's the team feel about him, right? In my opinion, I think Justin should get that opportunity. Give the kid a chance down the stretch to put some film out there so you can properly evaluate him as you're making that decision in the offseason. But right now, I don't think that Justin Fields, especially this season, has been a mixed bag, right? We saw those games of domination, and then he gets hurt. Yep. And then we also saw the games where it was uneven. So it's like, I would love to see him be able to finish this thing down the stretch. But again, like you said, A-Dub, he's got to be healthy because I don't want him out there. He's not 100%. The fact that this team is starting to show some good signs the last few weeks, you know, I think it'd be good to see Justin Fields, you know, um, play, like you said, get some more tape out there to see what they're able to do with a very good defense that's been playing extremely well lately. Um, and then also the offensive line starting to, you know, do his thing a little bit better than what it has been early in the season. So I would love to see Justin Fields get an opportunity with this unit and see what he's able to do. And that would be a good way to really impress, to analyze him. I mean, it was hard to analyze him early on this season because there was so much broken, bro, so much going wrong with this team. But now you're starting to see some good things happen I would love to see Justin Fields part of that mix. One of the other things that I think that really helped Tyson against the Panthers A-Dub was our pass protection stood up for him. Yeah. Now, I will say this, man. I think when you look at those tackles, I think you got two guys there, man, and you got pieces for the future. I know sometimes, you know, Braxton Jones, it could be a little up and down with him with his play. But, hey, man, I liked what I saw from him in that Panthers game, but y'all know right to fucking stud. You got to make a good point you talk about those tackles. And I like both of them, you know. And Braxton Jones, all we really care about with him, bro, was like, hey, stay off those penalties, man. Leave those penalties alone and you're fine, bro. Mm -hmm. Continue the battle. And then your boy Darnell Wright just been, like you said, been an animal over there, just doing his thing, hanging in there having some tough battles and winning a lot of those tough battles, you know? So I got to give those two guys a lot of credit from that sense. But when you talk about Tyson Bajit getting that kind of time to throw the football, it reminded me of Justin Fields. I'm like, I don't recall Justin Fields getting that much time to throw the football, bro. Uh, <laughs> I've not, not seen it. But this offensive line is starting to put it together and they're getting yep. healthy. And that's why I want to see Justin back for that reason. But no, you're good because you're hitting right what I'm talking about right there, bro. I want to see Justin Fields get this kind of time. If Justin Fields got this kind of time, you talked about this two episodes ago. You straight said, hey, Justin Fields has a deep ball. You reminded us of that, Perez. And imagine Justin Fields getting that kind of time, bro, to throw a deep ball to, to DJ Moore or Money Moore. I'm it's like, game, wow. It's game over. Game, game over. over, for real. So Tyson Bajan, we know he can't throw that deep ball like, a, like Justin Fields can, but it tells me that if Justin Fields had that kind of a time, Oh, oh, we know some good things will happen. So I'm looking forward that 
Justin Fields can get that type of opportunity, bro. And that's what I'm hoping for down the stretch. Man, I would love it. I would love a game that Justin Fields starts where he doesn't get sacked. I mean, you think about the games where Justin Fields went back there, he gets sacked a lot. Tyson Bajit did get sacked. Now, one of the reasons why we can say that is obviously the play of the tackles, but also Tyson getting the ball out quick. Yep. That's one of the things that Justin's going to have to do when he gets back in there. So, yeah, even with the pass protection doing their job, he can't just sit there in that pocket. And so Tyson did a really good job of getting the ball out against the Panthers, and that was another reason that went into why he didn't get sacked. But that time to throw, man, I feel like he was just in that pocket all day long, <laughs> even in the Saints game, you know? Yeah, man. And I'm looking like, hey, if QB1 can get that same opportunity, that would be fantastic. But you hit on something very well, Press, that I like where you're going with it because eventually you're going to get some time, right? But the thing is, Tyson Bajin is good at getting rid of it quickly. So I do hope that Justin Fields can do that, get rid of it quickly, so when the time comes to where he does have time, he's able to really deliver and do what he does best. We already talked about Dante Foreman and, and, and his contributions here in the absence of Khalil Herbert. I got to ask you, Doug. <laughs> so they gave Khalil Herbert another week to you know get back right with that ankle injury. But what do you think happens here in this running back position? And second question for you. Why the hell was Dante Foreman inactive for three games this season? It's a lot. <laughs> I will go here with you, bro. Khalil Herbert can wait. Yes, he can wait because Dante Foreman has been playing lights out. And he's been balling, bro. So you're right. You have to rush nobody in the backfield back as long as Dante Foreman is healthy and doing his thing. So what he did, he was in the back Khalil Herbert some time for sure. But what it does, Perez, when you talk about why he wasn't playing early on, I know that the team got a little biased when it came down to Khalil Herbert. They wanted to give that guy the keys, right? To say, oh, go ahead, right? Continue doing your thing, handle your business. We want to see what you can do as the running back number one. And then Roshan Johnson, the rookie, just happened to come in, bro, at the right time and just seize the moment. And then it was a lot of noise about him and for the right reasons. So you wanted to give him a chance. So that means a guy like Dante Foreman, who really don't have a future here in Chicago, you kind of got to push to the side. But with all those injuries, it forced Dante Foreman back and sealed the limelight, and the uh -huh. guy has delivered. So I like the fact that Dante Foreman saying, hey, I understand y'all forgot about me early on, but I'm still that dude. I'm still capable of running the football effectively. So now the Bears are even in a tougher spot now when you talk about the backfield. And you're not lying because, to your point, I ate up everything you said there was phenomenal because, yes, Khalil Herbert was their guy, and, and rightfully so. I mean, he earned that from being here and being a, a big-time player in his office in the past. Roshan Johnson, we love that we saw from him preseason, training camp. The kid's got some a lot of uh, intent. And pass pro, that pickup that he made on that blitz, I mean, like, there was a clean blitzer coming in, and Roshan Johnson just took him out of the frame. But in that same frame, Lucas Patrick's on his ass because somebody blew him up on the fucking play. So it was just like a contrast of also fucking play Roshan Johnson and you look at a Lucas Patrick, you just shake your fucking head like, God damn, bro. <laughs> bro, I like how you summed that up, man. That was a perfect, bro. And I just, it, it got me replanted all over in my head, bro. And I'm like, wow, that's exactly what happened, man. And I got to give Roshan Johnson, a lot of credit, bro, because that rookie, man, he doesn't play like one, as you and I have indicated on many occasions. And all we care about the guy is staying healthy, and I'm glad to see that he's out there. 
But man, if he's making blocks like that, that's fantastic. And to your point, man, you can't see your offensive lineman going down like that without looking saying, hey, bro, you got to be better than that, man, to help us out. This is my thing. They got a good problem on their hands, right, whether it's at the quarterback position, whether it's at this running back position. And Dante Foreman, when they signed him a free agency, we talked about it in the show. I said, this guy right here is going to be one of your better free agent acquisitions because he rushed for almost 1,000 yards for the Panthers. We know he's got the ability. And my thing here, even though everything you said it was correct, they did when it came to Herbert and when it came to Johnson, to me, I still have to look at this organization and I have a lot of question marks about why certain guys are inactive and then other guys aren't. Why is a guy like Vela Jones active, right? Right. Because, and I'll continue to say this, Taylor should not be on this team when you drafted a guy in the third round for special teams. You guys drafted Tyler Scott for special teams. We added a little dimension to the, to the receiving role. We should not have to pick up a guy whose only purpose is a part return. That's a wasted roster spot. And again, that's a roster spot on game day that could have went to a guy like Dante Foreman. But no, he had to be an active because we got so many holes on this fucking team. You got a guy that's burning a roster spot because you got two other guys that can't get that job done. That's a problem. So that's why I just wanted to just kind of bring that up because when you see a guy like Foreman, he's getting it done. And I think for the rest of the season, it should be Herbert and Foreman. Well, too much for the rest of the year. And I'm really paying a close attention to how Khalil Herbert looks when he comes back, bro. Because if he shows any signs of slipping up, you got to say, hey, look, get those carries to Foreman and Roshan Johnson. If you talk about Roshan Johnson, hey, we can go ahead and continue to invest in the future, bro, with the football team. So they got to make a tough decision with that. But all eyes on Khalil Herbert when he gets back, bro. He got to show us something for sure. Another thing offensively, A-Dub, I want to get your thoughts on. When I look at DJ Moore and Cole Komet, Tyson Bajan does a really good job of getting those guys involved in the game. He targets those guys a lot. He's got a really good chemistry with Cole Komet, but I think he also has a decent one with DJ Moore as well. But Cole Komet started to develop into one of the better tight ends in the league right in front of our eyes. And we saw some good things out of him, as you and I talked about, last season. And now you're starting to see him cook with a rookie quarterback. So this says a lot about Cole Kmet and his ability to get open and be able to be a factor on the offensive side. So I like where you're going there, bro. Um, I can see this continuing. And the good thing about this is that Tyson Bajent has no problem, none at all, targeting him, bro. And he's made the right decision when he has gone to Cole Kmet. Now, DJ Moore has some strong words about the officiating, and I agree with him because that officiating that ball game against the Panthers was god Awful way, though. Got off. And I'm sure DJ Morris will have a nice little fine waiting for him as well. <laughs> you know that fine coming, bro. Anytime you criticize those officiating crew, man. But he did have a point. And if the, the, if the refs can't call it the correct way, bro, or manage the game the right way, um, it gets out of hand. And I think DJ Moore definitely has some choice words to describe the officiating crew. But, yeah, he was on point. Well, I mean, I feel like he was right. He got yeah. called for office of passing affairs twice. And he said that the reason that he was given was that he drove the defender down the field too too far. And if you looked at the play, it looked like the defender initiated contact with him first. So what's he supposed to do? Definitely, Perez. I thought on one of those, I'm like, well, what do you want to 
the wide receiver to do. I mean, the guy sort of ran into him, really, you know? And so I don't understand it, bro, and what the referee saw in that. So for me, I'm still trying to ponder, like, okay, what do you want a wide receiver to do? I mean, he don't have many options at, at all with running his routes and things of nature or run the play. I mean, if he's going to block, I mean – Come on, man. I see that play happens a lot. So, for me, I was caught off guard when the referee was calling those decisions on him, man. And it just looked ugly. This is my thing. It could have had a bigger impact on that game. You talked about a football game that was close. And calls like that specifically can alter the outcome of a football game. And that's why sometimes for me, when I look at the officiating, I'm like, man, we need to look into these officials. Like, how are they evaluating? Do they get fined for making bad calls? Like, what happens besides you sending a letter to the team saying, oh, our bad, we missed that? Where's the accountability for these guys that are fucking up at their jobs? Because I tell you one thing, you and I ain't there, but we're fucking up at our job. We got an answer to somebody. We definitely got an answer. And you're right, man. These officials should also have the answer to people as well. You can't go out there and then hide behind, oh, we got it wrong from what the league put out there. That's unfair, man, to these players who are putting it all on the line, man, to win a football game. And you're right, man. But with that, you're hurting these franchises, man. And if you're going to make these type of bad plays like this, ref, hey, you're contributing to some of these coaches getting fired because all it takes in a, in a close game is a play like that, pass interference or offsides or whatever it may be, Perez. If you call it wrong, it can hurt these teams. And that, that was my general point, just about how – you can change those outcomes. And like I said, yep. luckily for us in this situation, one of those penalties on DJ Moore was declined, but I just still understood his frustration. And it's bullshit. You know, in, in this league, you got guys that they don't they don't understand what they're saying. And in a situation like that on the one with, on that first one with DJ, I'm just letting yeah. that go. Okay, fine. Like, okay, yeah, maybe DJ drove him. But it's like, hey, both of these guys are getting a little chippy to each other. Look, we're gonna let that one go. But now if it happens on the next play, we call something or somebody. Like, I get it. You can't call everything. Think about on the offensive line. Everybody's holding. You can't right. call all of them. Right. Watching the game and seeing how it's played, right? And the referees, they know this, bro. They should understand this, you know? And you're right. You can't call everything, but keep it fair and keep it consistent, man. You know, and I think that's why I really have a problem with the officiating crew at times when Hey, they've been doing this all game, man. Now you want to call this, you know? Like, come on now. So you got to be fair at some point and keep it consistent. Oh, man, true point there. Well, man, let's let's get into giving out some game balls, eh, Doug? Woo! Who's getting your offensive game ball for week 10, son? Week 10 offensive game ball. I'm going to give it to my man, Tyro Santos, bro. Oh, he giving it to the kicker. <laughs> and as well as Tyson Bajan managed the game. In that first half, we saw Cairo Santos hitting field goals, bro. Mm -hmm. What we needed to stay in this game. He hit three of them in the first half. I mean, mm -hmm. that first one, what happened? Cody Whitehair picks up a penalty after he made yeah. the field goal. Now he got to kick a longer one, bro, from 54 yards. He knocked that one in. I see. That's what I'm talking about, Cairo. You're cooking, baby. You're cooking. End up now, we got nine points in the first half. I look at that and say, hey, Cairo Santos done his part. It helped us stay in this ball game, bro. So with that, it gave the Bears an opportunity to go into halftime and say, hey, we got a chance, and the defense was playing extremely well at that. So you got that going on. You got the field goal kicker doing well. You're doing a good job. So I got to get Cairo Santos for delivering. And uh, this was a phenomenal game ball recipient because, to your point, without Cairo Santos at that 54-yard field goal, 
we don't win this ball game. That Cody Whitehair false start, again, I, I, as soon as I heard the number, I just shook my fucking head. I'm like, great. Like, you can't get out of the fucking way, Cody. But anyway, I'm not here. To, I don't, we won. I want to be positive today. But right. to your point, Cairo Santos kept us in this ball game, bro. Those field goals were huge, bro. When that field goal happened, that was after that pump return, bro. Right. And it kind of gave this defense and some offense a little bit of life. So I kind of like the fact of with him doing his part, it helped a lot of players out. That's a, that's a, dang, that's a good one, bro. I ain't going to lie to you, man. Because I'm, I'm going down to Foreman, but I agreed also with how you went into your selection and talked about, hey, the importance of Tyson and what he did was great. <laughs> but Kyra was the one that went out there and knocked down those clutch field goals. So I, I love that one. I really did. But Dr. Foreman's getting my game ball for week 10, A-Dub. Listen, he got some revenge on his former team, right? And that always yep. feels good. Same thing with DJ Moore, right? You know, So they got their revenge on their team. But a, another impressive performance from him on the ground. And when he's running the football that well, it helps establish that identity for this offense. Because we know what the identity is. Our offense, we're going to be physical, we're going to run the football, we're going to do timely passing. And when you have Dante Foreman and also when Khalil Herbert comes back, those are your guys. They're going to fucking run smash off. It's going to be physical style of offense. You're going to let that offensive line do what they do best and get off the football and punch people in the fucking face. So Dante Foreman, to me, was MVP for Thursday because he ran the football hard. He scored a really tough touchdown there in the second half. That four-yard touchdown run, it pretty much sealed it for us. And honestly, outside of that Raiders performance that he had, this is best performance of the season, in my opinion. So that's my game bar recipient for Week 10. Foreman, been balling, bro. And the fact that you will not see consistency out of him, Man, that's important right there, Perez. And without him, I don't think Tyson Bajan would have been as successful. I think Dante Foreman, Foreman made it a lot easier for him, bro. And by running hard, effectively, for every inch, fighting for every yard, I mean, having some good runs out of all this, bro, it opened up, opened up a lot of good things for Tyson Bajan. And I tell you, Luke Getze, with the play calling, worked out well because of Foreman being effectively running the football. All right, man, who's getting your defensive game ball week 10? You teased it earlier, bro. I got to go Kyler Gordon. Yes, sir. And the thing for me, bro, is you're right. He was all over the field. I do like the fact that he was belling out everybody, you know? Like, for example, someone missed a play. You saw Kyler Gordon there. I mean, I saw on the catch where um, Jalen Johnson was defending somebody, you know? And what happens? Kyler Gordon steps up. Once Johnson missed that opportunity, Kyler Gordon was right there to say, hey, I'm going to tackle him. I got him, you know? Same yeah, thing in the room. Mm -hmm. Cleaned it up. Exactly. And you saw Kyler Gordon out there cleaning up a lot of mess, bro. And I'm like, this kid <laughs> is everywhere, bro. So with that, he was another guy that we teased earlier who really operated very well off sweat. It was like, hey, we got momentum. Let's play. And I think the kid was geared up and ready for this opportunity, bro. You kind of see that little extra mojo out of him, no? This probably was one of his best games as a player in Chicago Bears uniform. And he almost had a pick, too. That would have that sealed the deal. But, uh, <laughs> but, no, this was a great recipient because, as I mentioned earlier, man, he was just a force. Like, number six, like I said, he flashed on film. 
And anybody that has the Bears coming up on their, on their schedule, that's a guy that they're going to be looking at on our defense. They're like, that guy right there is an impact ball player. And it wasn't just the coverage, as you mentioned. Playing against the run, whether it was him blitzing, he, he made a name for himself. And on a day when our defense, I thought, played well, but it was more that bend but don't break, right? So as I right. mentioned earlier, they were giving up a lot of yards in the passing game. Alan Gordon, that dominated performance. Hey, that's a great that's a great call-out. My game raw recipient is going to be Montez Sweat. And I talked about him to lead into this episode. But he made his Soldier Field debut. And again, we can't just be looking at sack totals. got to look at impact. He had three quarterback hits on Bryce Young. That right there is going to speed up Bryce Young. That's a rookie quarterback. And what did they dub and I say in the preview show? You want to get hits on Bryce Young. You want to get in his face. You want to pressure him because he's going to start rushing that ball out. If he has if he has time to sit in that pocket, he's going to deliver a strike. He's going to focus over the middle. And that's what he did from time when he did have time to throw. But there were those plays that he was getting flushed in the pocket and it was creating havoc for that defense when they were getting sacks. You know, and so my biggest thing here is Montez Sweat, he got it done for us, bro. Those pressures that he generated, it was just beautiful to watch. You just saw 98. It was just like, bro, he's bullying that offensive line for the Panthers. It was nice. It was great to see. This is what this line was missing, bro. Somebody like Sweat who can apply pressure like that, bro. Consistently. You saw Bryce Young running a lot in that second half, bro. <laughs> he was trying to get the heck out of the way and away from Sweat. But with that, it opened up things that you and I talked about earlier where guys like Justin Jones able to be impactful. Justin Jones able to get some hits in because of that. But it all starts with Sweat, bro. If he's able to do, to do that and make that kind of an impact, Bro, that is game-changing right there with Sweat doing his thing. Guys like Demarcus Walker, Yannick Ngakwe, they're going to be able to make plays because that's going to free them up. But you mentioned yep. Justin Jones. And again, to the point that you made, Justin Jones was a standout in that game against the Panthers. Got the sack, but what was he doing on the interior of the line? He was helping shut down that running game. And if it were for a couple of those Bryce Young runs, the Panthers' rushing totals would have been even worse than what they were. But man, Sweat... Justin Jones, they made their presence known in that game. And like I said, man, that Bimba don't break defense, hey, I'm all for it, bro. I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, think about in the fourth quarter of the game, the Panthers had the ball for over nine minutes, and they were driving the football, but they didn't do shit with it. Just three points. <laughs> yeah, bro. It did like the defense on the field a lot in that fourth quarter, man. Uh, but they hung in there, bro. And that speaks a whole lot to even flukes in this defense. And even on third down. They got off the field, right? So that's yep. the thing that you want to say. So no, that was huge. All right, man. Who was your bear down, your underperformer for week 10? I hate to do this to my guy because I love him. But I got to say, even though he made a big catch, Prez, I got to say Money Moon. Because he can't have a good game, then come back and have a mediocre game like this. You know what I mean? Where you only get a couple of catches for 14 yards, you know? I mean, you got to be better than that, of course, you know. And, again, I, I understand that how this team wanted to run a football, but I think Money Moon still got to make his presence known in the game, bro, and become a, a target for Tyson Bajan. I don't see enough of him and Money Moon growing like it has been for Cole Komet and DJ Moore. And I got to put a little bit on Money Moon saying, hey, you got to get open to where he's able to see you. 
get into positions where you can never make those throws to you. So you two got to be better together with your relationship. So I'm going to blame Money Moon in this game because I thought he could have done better than that. 14 yards would never cut it, bro. Well, I mean, I give him credit for that catch because I thought that that was a big-time catch to seal through <laughs> a win, but I will agree with you, A-Dub. Following that Saints game where he looked like he was starting to come alive a little bit, which that was his best game of the season last week. Right. But he didn't have that same impact against Carolina. So, hey, listen, I'm not even going to hold you because, hey, that could have been easy for you calling your guy out. But, again, it's been that type of season for him. It's been so mostly inconsistent. You know, he had yep. that game against the Saints. But it's just like, man, bro, for a guy that's in a contract year, things are just not going the way that I kind of thought they were to go for him this season. And to prove the Bears that, hey, you're making a wise decision by investing in me, you know. But to see games like this, two catches, 14 yards, it don't make you look and say, okay, should we bring this guy back kind of a thing, you know. So I hope that these next few games he can play better than this year. But be part of the core. And I have not seen him part of that core, bro. It's been more Dante Foreman, DJ Moore, and Cole Commit. And Money Moon somehow been in the shadow, bro. So I want that guy to really come out with that shadow and be impactful consistently. Hey man, I, I hear you. <laughs> we need it. My bear down for week 10 is Trenton Gill. Mm. And, of course, you know, I won't let him off the hook. But that punt returner, he was the last man standing. <laughs> and it's like, come on, bro. You got juice. You know what I mean? <laughs> and after that, dude just cruising to the end zone. So I got to call you out for that one, Trent. And then he had that 24-yard punt. Ooh. That almost shifted the momentum of the game. I'm like, come on, man. Trent Gill is usually the most consistent guy for us. So I don't know what was going on with him. But that 24-yard punt, I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. Yeah, so man. They bite us in the ass. That's a good one, bro. If that defense didn't hold strong, that would have got ugly. But you got to punt better than that. We know Trent can do better than that, bro. But you're right. I think he had an off day for sure. And that tackle he tried to get, you know, on that punt return, I was like, hey, man. You're proving you totally out your element. And you got to at least, you know, dive at the guy something, bro. But act like you want to be in a position to get a tackle, bro. Act like you want to tackle the guy. You know what I mean, friends? Even Slow him up. Do something. Slow him up. Do something. <laughs> do something, man. Dude looked at you. He got to try at you and laugh at you and just move right past your ass. You got to be better than that, man. Yeah, that was, that was, that was embarrassing. But yeah. he did have a 62-yard punt, but – for this one, I thought the uh, the bad outweighed the positive. So we got to give yeah. him that uh, underperformer designation for week 10, though. Rightfully so, bro. I got no issues with that whatsoever. But it is funny, though, man, how he performed on those <laughs> bad plays. <laughs> that, was, that shit was awful. That was awful. But listen, as we mentioned, Bears are in the midst of a mini bye week. A-Dub and I, we got a couple days to, to relax. We do some film work here on the Lions and get you guys set up for that matchup. But hey, we're going to enjoy a couple of days off. But listen, the Lions, this is one of the better teams in the NFC North. It's going to be a physical ball game. Dan Campbell and his team, they're coming in here. Hey, that's going to be some must see TV. And I'm really hoping that Justin Fields is going to be back for that matchup because we're going to need him. Because listen, that Detroit Lions offense, well, they put up some points. They and, sure uh, do. And I don't think you can game manager them. <laughs> exactly. We can't have no game magic going out there, man. Trying to win a football game. We got to score some points, bro, for sure. And we can't rely on our defense to do everything. So that's a big game, bro. Looking forward to that one. Yes, sir. Well, audience, we appreciate you guys and your continued support as always. 
Franco make us a top 10 Chicago Bears podcast. And actually, we are on the doorsteps being in that top five spot because we are number six. So we appreciate you guys. Keep sharing the word. Keep listening. Keep supporting. We appreciate y'all. We love you guys.